Okay, so I, I always like to start off with a story. So I'm going to tell a story. Um, when I was, so my dad's from Maine, and so we used to make the journey back to Maine in the uh, Ford Windstar van once in a while every summer, and it would be like a nightmare trip of like five days of driving and sisters punching me and things like that. And so we, we get to Maine, and my aunt has a big piece of land, and her house is on it, and in front of her house is uh, like a giant pond, okay? It's probably, I don't know, a quarter mile around uh, this pond. And we would catch frogs and stuff in it. And so one day I'm hanging out in Maine, and I'm just walking around this pond, doing cool stuff, throwing rocks at frogs, picking up giant sticks. I had a pretty good stick, and I'm carrying it. And I'm walking around this pond, and about a quarter mile, another quarter mile away, as I'm about two-thirds around this pond, I see this dog in this other neighbor's yard. I'm like, oh, cool, I grew up with dogs, I, I had no problem with dogs, no qualms with dogs. And the dog notices me, and he begins to run towards me. I'm like, oh, okay, he just wants to play, I have a stick, obviously, um, he wants to play fetch. But then, as I'm walking around, I remember this story my aunt had just told me where she said, yeah, my neighbor's dog just like tried to rip through my screen door to murder me the other day. And I was like, oh, this might be that dog. And so I kind of look at it as it's running at me and I try to like gauge its facial expression. And at a certain point I go, yep, it's gone. it wants to murder me. Um, and so I had a big stick, but I, I drop it for some reason. <laughs> And I just start booking it as hard as I can. I assume I was screaming, but let's say I wasn't. And, and so I'm like 10 or 12. I'm booking it. This dog is now like, oh, he's running, so now I definitely want to murder him. And so the dog's coming after me, growling, whatever. I'm doing pretty good, though, because I'm pretty far from the house. The dog hasn't caught me yet. My mom's outside uh, packing up the van or something like that. And I'm like, okay, good. There's my mom. She will protect me. And then, but what happens is she just starts screaming and like almost crying, and I'm like, okay, so I'm just, th this is my death, like this is, this is happening, and she, but what she was screaming, she was going, Alan, which is my dad's name, and so she's just screaming, Alan, and he's nowhere to be found, and so I'm just running, and I get to the front of the house, no one's saving me, my mom's just like, my, my firstborn's dead, like this is happening, and so I go, I got to take matters in my own hands, so next to the pond, there was this little, little log type situation, like kind of leaning against something. And so I'm like, I got to jump over this. So I jump over this into the pond. But here's the problem. The dog could easily get under this log. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, maybe this obstacle will stop the dog. But it didn't. And even if the dog couldn't get under it, he could have easily jumped over it, I'm pretty sure. And so I turn around. The dog catches up. He gets up to the log. And I'm just like, oh, no, this was a bad plan. And the dog looks at the log. And I swear, he, he looks back up to me. And the, now the, it looks like he was saying, are you serious? Like, this, is, this is not a difficult thing for me to get past. And so then I'm like, I don't know what else to do. So I just cock back my arm. And I punch that dog in the face. <laughs> and then I swear, the dog again just looks at my fist. And goes, are you serious? That didn't hurt. And I was, I was a very weak child. And so... <laughs> And so 
as the dog is just trying to figure out where he's going to bite me first, my dad comes out of the house like a cannonball, and he's just like looking for danger, because he just hears my mom screaming his name. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just looking for danger, and then he sees the dog and me, and he just comes running at the dog. Uh, the dog is intimidated by my dad, runs off, and then my dad and the dog have this like standoff, where my dad's just like, I want to kick you so bad right now. And then, and then the dog just walks away. It was pretty tough. It was the opposite of what happened to me and the dog. And so I tell that story, though, because in that, in that story, in that moment, I was so comforted as soon as my dad shot out of the house. As soon as he shot out of the house, I was comforted to know that my dad was there, and he was for me, and he was going to protect me. Because up until that moment, my mom had abandoned me. I was going to die, right? The dog was going to kill me. I wasn't strong enough to fight it off. But as soon as my dad came out, I, I felt protected. I felt that there was someone for me and there for me. And, and today, Paul is going gonna, gonna to do the same thing. We've been going through Romans here and all these different truths. And today, he's going to talk about how, how God is for us, how God is with us through these different trials and struggles. And it's really the capstone to, to everything he's been talking about. And so today, the structure of the sermon will look like this. First, we'll, we'll just recap what Paul has been saying and then in verses 31 through 34, we're going to see how, how God is with us and for us in our internal struggles. And then in verses 35 through 37, we're going to see that, that God is with us in, in our external struggles as well. That God is for us and with us in our external struggles. And then we'll close with verses 38, 39 um, with some applications of, of how do we live differently now that we know these truths about God. So let's recap. So we've been through Romans 8. And Romans 8 is awesome. It starts off, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it moves on. It talks about how the Holy Spirit lives in us, moves in us, affects our past, present, and future. And then we got to find out how we are adopted by God. That this isn't, we're not just his peons, but we're his sons and his daughters. And then, then Paul begins to start talking about suffering. He starts to say that, that even though suffering is bad here and now, even though it's tough, that the, the glory we will experience with God one day, his glory that we will get to experience as Christians, will far outweigh, far, far outweigh what the, the sufferings we experience now. And then he talked about how not only do those sufferings uh, pale in comparison to the future glory, but he says, God right now takes those trials, takes those things, and uses them for our good. So, so they're not just completely pointless right now, that God uses the things we go through and all the trials and problems, and he says that, th that I will use this for your good. And it's, it's God's definition of good, not um, like, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Not that, all right? But and so it's a little bit different. That wasn't a very good joke. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Vince's laugh is killing me right now. Uh, and, so, and then last week we just got to hear about how, how this God of the universe has had salvation in motion for a long time. It, it, it's not like he was surprised by what's going on on earth. He's had these things planned. And so today we'll talk about how God is here with us in, in all of our struggles. And he is for us. So let's read Romans 8 through 1. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand really quick. 
Uh, if you need a Bible, we don't have the words on the screen, so you probably especially need a Bible. Raise them high. It's hard to see the little, the half, the half hand. And we'll be in Romans 8. Starting in verse 31. All right. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's just stop right there. That's good, right? <laughs> like, that's pretty encouraging. Like, if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? So what shall we say to all these things that Paul has been talking about? He says, well, it, God is clearly for us. So, so who could be against us? So let's, let's pray. That was a good word. Let's go home. But we can't because if you're like me, you read this and you start to answer Paul's question. And so, so Paul says, if God is for us, okay, who can be against us? You go, well, actually a lot of people are against me because I'm a Christian. Like all of my old friends are against me. A lot of my new friends are against me. It seems like every teacher I have is against me. It seems like my roommates are against me. My coworkers are against me and what I believe. Every time I log on Facebook, it seems like there's some kind of status talking about followers of Jesus or ideas of Christianity in a negative light. So all my Facebook friends are against me too. Everybody, and, there, and there's all kinds of people that are against us. There's all kinds of people. So, so Paul asks this question, and I go, yeah, it feels like there's a lot of people against me in Christianity, against me because I follow Jesus. And so Paul, that's a nice thought, but I, I really wish you would clarify, and, and he actually does in verses 32 through 34. He says this, he, that's God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So Paul, he begins to clarify I think he, he brings up all these different charges and, and being condemned and all these things because he knows it's happening. The context of this is the Romans are being persecuted. The Romans are in the, the marketplace. People are probably refusing to sell them things if they know that they're a Christian. In, the, in, in certain places, they're literally getting arrested and some are getting killed for what they believe about Jesus. Besides that, some of their old brothers, if they are Jewish Christians, are saying, what you believe about God is crazy. And so Paul understands that there are charges being brought against the Christians, that people are condemning these Christians for what they believe. And I think he speaks to two different kinds of internal struggles and, and charges that people are bringing against them. So two kind of internal struggles. I think the first thing he's speaking to is that that people are just coming against them and accusing them of, of being wrong. People are coming against these Christians and, and, and us, today we experience this, where people come against us and say, man, what you believe about the Bible is silly. What you believe about Jesus is silly. What you believe about God is intolerant. What you believe about Jesus is hateful. And, and time and time again, and, and I, when I hear these things, 
it's hard for me to go, well, God's for me, brother. So in your face, I go, man, maybe you're right. And I start to have these doubts. And I start to think, man, maybe the Bible isn't accurate. Maybe these things are, maybe I am wrong. Maybe this is hateful. And, and, and I begin to have all these internal struggles because all the people around me and all the culture around me is, is attacking Christianity. Not, not everybody, but, but you see it a lot. And I experience it a lot. And here's the thing, usually those, those difficult questions or those doubts, a lot of them have good answers. A lot of them have good answers. Not easy to find answers, but good answers. But, but we seem to have this culture that asks questions a lot without finding answers. And so we get stuck in these internal struggles where we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, how to live. Maybe I am wrong. Maybe God isn't real. And Paul is trying to remind us, though. Paul's trying to remind us and say, but listen, remember Jesus. He's trying to remind us, he goes, those, those things, they are charges being brought against you. You are being condemned by the, the world around you. But you've had a real experience with Jesus. Jesus has actually moved in your life. Jesus has actually made it possible so that any charge that you actually are uh, worth receiving Jesus has taken that on. Jesus has taken care of that for you in your life. Remember that because ultimately when this whole thing's wrapped up, that's what's going to matter. That, that Jesus has, has paved the way, has, has taken on your charges. And so as we struggle internally, we really need to remember that, that, that Jesus is literally, I don't know how this works, praying to God the Father about you. Somehow they're one and somehow they pray to, to each other. I don't know how that works. But somehow Jesus is for you in your internal struggles, in your doubts. Jesus knows what's going on and he's, he's talking to God the Father about it. He's, he's having things move in a way that you will be, that things will turn for good. So that's, the, that's kind of the first internal struggle that I think Paul is, is talking about in this set of verses. And then I think he talks about another internal struggle where a more spiritual one, one where uh, I think he's, he's talking about Satan and, and demonic forces coming into our lives and, and reminding us of past sin. And whether that's Satan or our flesh reminding us of our past sin, I, I think that's a struggle for me. So if I'm not struggling with doubts, a lot of times, I'm, I, for whatever reason, I remember uh, a past I lived or something I did in the past or whatever it is, a past of sin, and I begin to go, man, I can't believe I did that. What's worse is sometimes I go, man, I can't believe I did that as a Christian. So I grew up in the church. It feels like I've been a Christian forever. And so it's, it's real tough for me sometimes to make that distinguishment. It's hard for me to see the difference. And so I, I just go, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm not really a Christian. I, I can't believe I did that. Maybe I'm not really a Christian. This, the, what the Bible says about this makes it seem like I, I might not be. And, and that's a struggle I have. But I think Paul is, again, trying to remind us, wait. That charge can't be brought against you anymore. That what, however that charge is being brought against you, whoever's trying to condemn you, that can't be brought against you anymore because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. 
how Jesus took on the charges that he did not deserve for your sake. And so Paul is trying to remind us that in our internal struggles, we have a God who is for us. We have a God who is with us, interceding for us. Let's move on to how Paul talks about some of the ways we struggle externally. Verses 35 and 36. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So Paul's posing a question. He says, shall, shall all these different things separate us from the love of God? And, and I can actually really relate to these two verses. Not the nakedness and the sword stuff, but some of the other stuff. I can really relate because it just looks different in my life today. The trials and the persecutions and the things that I go through just look different than it did for the Romans. I want to be a little bit vulnerable about how my last few months is, has looked. And so I'm not whining, but maybe I'm venting. So the last few months for me, about halfway through December... I found out that I was going to lose health, my health insurance at my work. So that's always just kind of, kind of bad. So now I'm on the kingdom plan, you know, just praying for stuff. And, and then two days later, found out my wife was going to be losing her job, which had health insurance for her and for our baby that was going to be born in a month and, and was born in a month. And so we're like basically told, well, your baby is not going to have health insurance in a month. To which we go, we heard having babies is expensive, <laughs> so we're a little worried. And so that stuff is going on. So we're just struggling with that. And Jessica, sorry to put you on blast, but she like cried a lot that week because it was just so stressful. And so I'm trying to be a good husband. And I'm trying to figure these things out. And so that, those stresses are, are what's going on. Besides the stress of just preparing for a, a new life in our lives and in our family. And then... Uh, at my work, things are just, we're just getting more and more stressful. Things are getting more and more crazy. Students at my work, I live in, uh, sun, or I work in the Sunnyside area of, of Flagstaff, and it's, it's a rough neighborhood for Flagstaff. There's some rough uh, situations that go on in there, and a lot of these kids come from very broken homes. Not all of them, but a lot of them come from very broken homes. And so they come to the school, and I don't know what it is about me, but they take it out on me a lot. They'll call me names. They'll lie. They'll do all these kinds of crazy things. And it's, it's just stressful because I, I, even though I shouldn't, I do take it personally because <laughs> they're personally making fun of me. And so, and so this stuff's all going on. Meanwhile, because of different situations with kids, my, my boss is retraining me over and over again with things that, that I've been trained in. And, and she's very nice and winsome and all that. But it, it just kind of feels like she's always saying, yeah, this happened and it's, kind, it's like your fault. <laughs> just over and over again in situations that in my perception were not my fault. And so while I, even it came to a point where a kid, this is real, elbowed me in the stomach and then ran off campus. <laughs> and I actually wasn't even disciplining him. He was just mad at me. And so he just did that. And so I'm just stressed every day because uh, there, there's all kinds of these, these crazy things going on. 
And then there's these different other things happening in my personal life, like my neighbors at this time, they were coming up yelling at me all the time because every time we had RC, someone would get up and accidentally stomp and then they would come yell at us and be like, what are you trying to do? Whatever, you know? And I'm just like, we're just trying to walk. And they didn't believe me. And so time and time again, all these things are going on and I just, I just couldn't take it. And then to, to make matters worse, I have this weird thing on my thumb and every time I tap it, like right here, like that, that was my index, not my thumb. It feels like I stubbed it well, I wish I had health insurance so I could go figure this thing out with my thumb. And so I have all these kind of issues going on that I just, I go, God, why is this happening? And we're going through all this suffering. And I go, God, yeah, I know that in the future, the glory will outweigh it. That's cool. I know, God, that you're using this for my good. But in the meantime, God, it feels like what they cry out and they're, and they're quoting a psalm, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for slaughter to be slaughtered. And so I just feel like, God, why are you just doing this to make me a better person? Are you just doing this so I give you more glory? Because it, it, to me, feels maybe not worth it. If I'm being honest with some of the things I, I felt in those moments. And so I'm going through all these external struggles and I just don't know. And as I start to go through these external struggles, I don't turn to God. I start turning to little joys and happiness is in, in my life. I don't ask God about those things. I begin to try and find my happiness in watching Suns games. They're playing right now. Or watching The Walking Dead or whatever it is and just trying to escape my current reality so that I feel happier. And, and what happens though is as soon as that thing is over, as soon as that thing, as soon as the Suns lose or whatever it is, I feel depressed in this weight and the weight of all these things again. And I feel like it is separating me from God. I feel like the things in my life are separating me from God. And so Paul's posing this question because the Romans were asking the same thing. They're saying, Paul, all this stuff is happening to us. All of these things. People are coming at us with swords. Some of us are running around naked. It's crazy out here, Paul. Can those things separate us from God's love? And so Paul answers that question in verse 37. He says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm going to read that again. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so Paul says, no, those things can't separate you from Jesus. Those things can't separate you from God. Although it may feel like they can, they cannot. Because we are more than conquerors through Jesus. We are more than conquerors. Which again, that's one of those verses where you're like, yeah, more than conquerors. But then you're like, but wait, what does that mean? Here's what I think it means. It means that, that we, let's say things keep going badly for me. And let's say I die, right? I still win though right? I still win. And here's the sense. I'm still a conqueror because now I get to, I get more of Jesus. I get to spend eternity with God. And so if I die, I win. I'm a conqueror because I get to be with God. And I don't win because I did anything right. I win because Jesus made it possible for me to win because Jesus conquered everything. And so if I die, I win because I get more of God. I get more of God in my life. 
but let's say the other direction. Let's say things just keep getting worse and worse and worse. Things are just going badly for me. To the point of death, but just misery, and it feels like torture. I still win. I still win. Because God takes those things, and he uses those to draw, draw us to him. As Christians, he takes those things, and he uses them in our lives to, to ha- let us have more of him in our life. And I think that, that most of us could say that when we've gone through some deep trials in our lives, it's been a, our times with God have been surprisingly amazing. Our intimacy with God have been surprisingly good. Because I think in those moments, everything is just stripped away and you just realize how much of a child in need you are before God and you just cry out to him and he meets you there. And so we are more than conquerors because God, God moves in our lives. If we die, we get more of him. If our lives get worse, we get more of him. No matter what, we get more of him. So although we may not conquer our actual situations, we are more than conquerors because we get what is ultimately good for us, which is more of God in our lives. I want to read verses 38 and 39 and talk about some, some application steps we can take, some things we can actually do with, with this word. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so through Paul, God is saying to us, none of this stuff is going to separate my love for, for you. None of this stuff is going to come into your life and separate us. I am for you and I am with you. And I like how he says all these tons of things. And then Paul has a little caveat at the end. He says, nor anything else in all creation, in case I forgot something. In case I forgot something, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing externally or internally is going to separate us from the love of God as Christians. And because God is saying to us, you're my son, you're my daughter. And he's saying, I've actually conquered all this for you, right? Jesus came to this planet and he said, man, they, they can't conquer more their moralities, they can't conquer their lives of, of the flesh. They, they have to sin. And so Jesus said, I will conquer it. I will live perfectly. Right? And then Jesus said, they can't conquer death, so I'm going to die. And as I die, I'm going to take on their punishment. Because they can't. They can't live good enough to not deserve a punishment. So Jesus said, I'm going to take on the punishment. And then he dies and he raises from the dead and he conquers death. So that we would share in life with him. Not just to go, hey, I'm God, but so that we would share in a resurrected life with him, even though our bodies one day will die. And so, so Jesus, God is saying to us, I, none of this stuff is going to separate you from me. I've conquered it all. And if you're, if you're here and you're not a Christian, that, that, this, is, this is a great look at, at God's heart. 
that in spite of our failures and our shortcomings and things externally going on in our lives and us choosing to turn to other things, God says, no, I'm not going to let that separate you from me. I'm going to actually use all those things to draw you closer to me. I'm going to actually be a God who is with you no matter what, with you all the time. I'm going to make you more than a conqueror through, through my son Jesus. And so when we put our faith and hope in Jesus' work, in Jesus' life, that becomes a reality for us where, where God is with us no matter what, where we can't be separate from, from the love of God. And so here are, here are two application steps, two ways that we, that we should live differently uh, because of this text. I think the first is to just reach out to God. To, to actually, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your pain, and what's hard for me in the last few months is all these trials and things are, were not that bad. Right? I've been through worse things. And, and, but it was just the conglomerate of all these things coming together and being in my life and being st- stressing me out that made me go, man, I, I, I can't turn to you in these moments, God. And I, I didn't verbally say that or maybe even consciously think that, but my actions said that. And so there was a moment a few weeks ago where I, I just realized I needed to start praying. I needed to start seeking God in all these things. And I remember as I was praying, I the, God was bringing up this text to me and I was thinking about it because I knew I had to preach on it. And I remember just being comforted. I remember just thinking, man, the gospel is still real for me. In spite of everything going on in my life, in spite of all the ways I mess this up, in spite of how I've turned to little joys and little happinesses in my life, God has let the gospel still be for me that Jesus still is for me and that God is still drawing me closer to him to have a deeper prayer life with him, have a deeper connection with him. And so in the midst of your trial, reach out to God. Begin to reach out to God and say, God, I need you. God, help me see that this doesn't separate me from your love. And I don't know how that looks for everybody, but I think it just looks like praying how you know how. You know how to God about what you're going through and just praying to God about whatever else. Reaching out to God in those moments. So that's the first, ap- first application step. First thing you can take away and do. The second thing uh, I want you to do is, is kind of how I reacted to the text this week as I was writing my notes. And uh, Nate Zyme actually had a good idea for this as an application step. And the idea is that, that you look at this list of things. And you could even start up in verse 35 it is, where he starts saying, what, what shall separate us then from, from God's love? Shall these things? And then go down to verses 38 and 39 that has this huge list. And I want you to write out your own list. I want you to go, okay, what is the famine in my life? What are, what are the problems in my life? What are the things in my life that, that tend to make me feel like I am separate from God or tend to make me feel like, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you letting this in my life? And write that list out. And so as I was, how it affected me is like this week as I was writing down some of those things as an illustration, the things that I've been going through, and then I'm like practicing and looking through the text, I was just, I was moved to tears. 
And I can't really explain it except for that I was moved by the truth that God is with me and for me no matter what. That even though that my external problems or internal problems or whatever they are seem bigger than God, that God is like, no, I'm bigger than that. I'm much bigger than those problems. I'm so big that I can take those problems and, and make good out of them for you. And so I really, I, I was just moved to know that I have a God who's for me and with me despite what's going on in my life, despite what's going on in my heart or in my mind. And so those are the application steps. Reach out to God, and secondly, write out your own list of things going on in your life, whether they're small or big. You might be going through good times, but what are the things in your life that, that tend to make you feel as if you're separated from God? I want to read verses 38 and 39 again and just close with those verses and pray. So let me read these again. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you that the sufferings of this world are not just random things that happen to us for, until, until you come and redeem all things. I thank, I thank you that you've taken those things and you've said, I'm going to use them for your good. I thank you, God, that we're your sons and daughters and you care about us and love us. God, help us to realize that you, that you are for us that when these charges of all kinds are coming against us, that we would know that you are with us through your Holy Spirit. And what's more is you're interceding for us in all of these situations. You're, you're interceding for us, and because of what you did on the cross and raised three days later, we, we are now more than conquerors, even though we don't conquer anything, because you've conquered everything, God. I thank you for all that, Jesus. We love you. We need you. Amen.